Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Rugby World Cup special edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. I'm joined by the mighty Murph this week to get our teeth into the biggest issues, uh, mainly Wales labouring to victory past Portugal, but I've also had a massive result for for Fiji, uh, which is probably the worst possible result for Wales in terms of the uh, the outcome of the pool. So we'll be looking at all mm. that, some of the action from elsewhere. Uh, we've got some listeners' questions in as well. So all of that's coming up on this episode of the show. Before uh, we do any of that, a few bits and pieces of housekeeping. As you'll know, we are heading out to Nantes for the final pool game against Georgia. And if you fancy joining us, make sure you check out the packages available from our sponsors, MSG Tours. All of the details are on our pinned tweet on Twitter. So uh, so go and check that out if you are interested. Uh, thanks to everyone who, uh, who sent us in reviews recently as well. Really appreciate that. Uh, make sure you subscribe because we'll be producing some bonus episodes uh, as we go through this. Uh, we've already had a couple recently. A uh, great one with Sam Peters from last week, all about concussions. So make sure you listen to that one. That was a really interesting chat. And uh, we also had one the week before with James Stafford, all about his new book. And uh, yes, a good chat about some rugby role models, rebels. And uh, that was really, really enjoyable. So go and check these ones out as we go through. Um, But welcome, Murph. How are you? Good, thank you. Yeah, very busy, but um, glad to be doing something kind of sedate, (laughs) just recording a podcast. Yeah, good. Well, I'm I'm glad we can uh, can end your week in a nice sedate manner. Um, Yeah. Uh, I tell you what, when I wasn't feeling particularly sedate was with about 80 minutes on the clock yesterday <laughs> and we came very, very close to not getting out of that that game with a, a losing bonus point. Before we get stuck into that performance, though, I think it's worth us touching on the minnows in inverted commas, particularly Portugal and Uruguay this weekend. How mm. good is it for, for rugby and for the tournament as a whole to see these sides pushing tier one nations um, you know, right to right to the edge? 
Yeah, exactly. I, 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 it seems like the day of the massive hidings, the days of the massive hidings are in the past now. Hopefully, I, I, you know, there's no hundred plus points game. I don't think we had. There wasn't many massive scores in the last World Cup, going over that sort of number. But um, they used to be regular in the nineties and what have you. So um, it's really important for the tournament that everyone that turns up is competitive, and it looks like we're going that way, especially with the game. Uh, we had to suffer, and the game France um, played on uh, uh, Friday. Yeah, Friday. No, Thursday was it? Thursday, Thursday. Weirdly, Thursday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, re- really, it's progress, I think, for the sport globally. If um, the minnows, as we call them, are able to hold their own to some degree, you know, and not get completely bullied out of every, you know, every facet of the game. Um, yeah, it's a big, big stride forward. I think. Also, I would say you know we've seen the likes of of Georgia in in recent t- times get much more competitive. You know, I think you think back to their World Cup debut; they were getting high, you know, absolute hiding from England and South mm. Africa. Obviously, they they progressed really, really well. I think what's been really nice about Portugal and Uruguay is it's good stuff as well. They play some, they play some exciting rugby. They they've got some slick some slick backs, and it's it makes it a lot more fun for the neutrals to watch. Yeah, I mean, people. I watched uh, Wales, Portugal in my rugby club, and people were clapping Portugal's play. You know, they were entertaining to watch. They weren't uh, kind of um, grabbing what they could in terms of penalties or or, or trying to um, snatch uh, whatever they could from the game. They were actually playing creatively and creating their own. It wasn't kick and clap like you'd expect from some uh, poor countries like England or. Uh, whatever, <laughs> uh, but they, um, you know, they're actually creating their own their own chances and and taking them. You know, they were they were really good value and uh, it's hard the way they played yesterday. It's hard to believe that they won't uh, be if they can continue on in this vein. They won't be much higher up the world rankings in future. I know they're quite high already, but um, the, the, there's plenty of teams. Plenty of teams around who would, who would struggle with Portugal at the moment. So, is is there anything to be said? Because we always bemoan the fact that the lesser, and I put that in inverted commas, the the lesser nations don't get as much game time against the the bigger mm. unions, and that's because that's for commercial reasons. Is there yeah. something to be said for having? You remember, like you would at, at mini rugby festivals and stuff, having like a shield or plate type scenario going on going on for the. Um, mm. After you know when the knockout when the knockout stages go on, because you think mm. I, I mean I, I'm kind of mulling this over in my head. Commercially, there there could be an angle in it for more games for broadcasters, and there's certainly I think a, a value in it for the likes of the likes of Uruguay and Portugal to get a run out against some of the sides who some of the sides who haven't been able to progress. Yeah, I think uh, all all the tier two nations and below would benefit because one of their issues is getting game time against really meaningful game time against the big nations or meaningful games against fellow tier two nations. Um, so yeah, there might be an idea going through. I don't know how, how keen the broadcasters would be, but it doesn't have to be plastered all over ITV one or, or, or any primetime channel. It can, so long as the game takes place from the point of view of Portugal or Uruguay, um, that's the main thing. And so, you know, they, they, most of these countries, they're coming all the way to the World Cup. They're doing a huge build-up for it, and they're going to get literally four games. Mm. 
you know that's all they all they can hope for really so having a kind of a, a, a plate in a bowl or whatever um might be an idea but i bet there's probably some there's probably some financial reason why 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 it won't happen but um it would definitely benefit those countries there's no doubt about that yeah you stick it on stick it on midweek on ITV4 mm. instead of repeats of Minder or whatever and mm. <laughs> it does I mean it doesn't have to be in a major stadium say it could be you know in a a, a pro division 2 club yeah. you know it could be one of them it doesn't have to be at Bordeaux or um Nice or whatever you know any mm. of those impressive stadiums it could be because you're probably expecting smaller crowds you could put it at a smaller stand and, and um yeah uh, it so it, it it's definitely going to benefit those countries. There's no doubt about that. And yeah. the, I think the sport has been uh, fairly negligent, negligent of the smaller countries in the past. I think the penny's kind of dropping now with world rugby as a way they treat these smaller countries, especially tier two nations. I mean, they're still on the rough end of the referee decisions and everything mm. on a regular basis. But um, we've we've been over this lots of times, haven't we, with the vested interests of the major nations and all that stuff. Um, pe- people who run the game are acting more in the interest of the more patriotically than they are in the interest of the sport globally. So, um, but yeah, that, that that like I say, there's probably some killer reason why they why they haven't done it, but it would definitely work for those countries. Yeah, I suppose the bigger you you know, if you are I don't know Scotland or Wales, and you and you finish third in the pool and you have to then go play, <laughs> yeah. uh, play in the bowl or the plate. But to be fair, yeah. it's like, well, the answer to that is don't finish third. Um, I suppose player yeah. welfare is the, is the only other thing, but at the same time, but I if reckon... you get out of the pools, you'd be playing anyway. So yeah. So I don't know. It's. Uh... I reckon, for example, Gatland now would be... It's a, we're, we're in a position where we should get out of the pool, but if we didn't get out of the pool, he would be glad of the opportunity to blood more of the youngsters. Maybe, yeah. In yeah. the next... In the next two more games or whatever games you had left, you know, the, 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 broadly speaking, the side that played yesterday, all very inexperienced players in there and young players coming through, you could give them two more international standard games. Um, I'd almost without, say... Without having to risk losing your opening Six Nations match. You see what I mean? Yeah. I'd almost say as well, you could, I don't know, and again, there, there will be problems with this, but, you know, you could draft in some additional players as well you know so it, it kind of sits outside of your your rugby world cup squad again there'd be logistics and finance and, and all the other all the rest of it to go with it but i don't know in theory it just feels like an opportunity for those sides to get some proper game time against the the traditional powerhouse nations but uh, yeah. there we go I, I feel like we've we've sold it mate rugby <laughs> yeah completed before we get on to this week's game i'm really keen to get your take on wales versus fiji mm. uh, and the way it's kind of been been portrayed afterwards what did you make of that as a as a wales fan um well 15 minutes to go we're 32 14 up i think most countries most sensible tier one countries close our out they might concede a try or or something in the last 15 minutes but they you burn the clock you make sure your set piece is solid you execute your skills in terms of box kicking and you keep your discipline in and then you wait for the final whistle and start building for the next game but we wouldn't be Welsh if we didn't completely lose our heads it wasn't completely lose our head. it was enough enough losing our heads enough to make it 
tricky for the whole time. I was watching it with my wife and she was saying, Oh, oh my gosh, we're gonna we're gonna hand this back to him. I said, They haven't got time to score three tries. There's 15 minutes left. By the time they, you know, if, as long as we're cute enough in terms of slowing the game down, there's not enough time for them to score three converted tries to win. And of course, that's exactly what they nearly did as soon as I opened my mouth. Um a lot of you made is about the referee decision, which I, I am totally in agreement with. He, he was um, favouring Wales or, or, or shortchanging Fiji in that game. There's no doubt about that. But what I will say is we were due one. We, mm. we were due a favourable ref. We've had a while of, you know, we could probably, if we made notes, we could probably reel off some names now of some games like New Zealand in the autumn and different games where we've been uh, stiffed. My, my only complaint about that is why, why can't we get a referee uh, who is um, looking after us when we're playing against a major nation? I don't know, mate. I would take that. I, you know, I would take the, the good fortune out of that game, particularly having seen Fiji today. I think they're in that bracket. Yeah. You know, I, I, the thing that yeah. is kind of that I found a little bit well, I'm quite happy with this, but it at the time has been a bit annoying for people You know, prior to the game going, oh, Fiji, they're a good side. They could really push Wales in. Number seven in the world, they're actually, oh, you know, they, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be the third seeds in this group. And then afterwards, the narrative again, oh, oh well, you only just scrape past Fiji. I think, well, mm-hmm. either they're a damn good side or they're not, and they are. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, for me, well, yeah, you're right. It wasn't perfect, but but no. a hell of a, hell of a win. Yeah, I, I, I... And refereeing aside, I think if Caleb Munts was fit, they would have won anyway. Mm, I think you're right. Um, because he would have been better off the tee. Uh, it'd have been, I mean, the guy playing 10 didn't have a terrible game, actually. But no, but they just didn't have a goal kicker, did they? No, it would have been a little bit more control as well and maybe maybe a bit more creativity at 10. And um, that that would have done us. That would have, that would have won the game of Fiji. And um, the, the form now, having beaten Australia, and that could have been more. The score today could have been more in Fiji's favour. Makes us look like a half tidy side to be that far in front of Fiji. Uh, 18 points in, fr- in front with 15 minutes to go. Admittedly, we fucking blew it all. But mm. to to get that far in front of such a good side, in hindsight, is really strong form now because they've just dominated Australia pretty much in that game. Um, so um, it, it's just... Squeaky bum because the best result for us was Australia to win, and then the, our game against them is not not so important. But now it's We've a possibility. Got to get something out of it, haven't we? Yeah, it's a possibility of a three-way go at the top, and um, it would be agony for well whoever ends whoever ends up third would be agony for that to be on sort of points difference or, or whatever. Oh, whatever. Please be Eddie. Please be Eddie. Please be Eddie. <laughs> well, if we beat, listen, if the form follows and we beat Australia, then he's he's out of the group anyway. Whatever, whatever Fiji do. Yeah, if the form follows, but you know, Australia could very easily have a big game in them. As much as I like yeah. to, you know, we like to wind up Eddie Jones. Yeah, you know, well, we're, well, Skelton will be back against him. us, no doubt. Oh, is he definitely back? That's such well, a that's such a that's such a big boost yeah. for them if he is. Yeah, as as good as their two second rows are, and they're both mm. massive. I think Skelton is just another. He's he's different gravy, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's just he just draws in so many people in without even carrying massive yards. It's just he's attracting tacklers and and tacklers who are having to make put in lots of effort to bring him down all the time, and mm-hmm. and, and that's always creating space for other people without without it being obvious to 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 watch. It's always kind of grinding down the defense all the time. So. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully he's not there. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll preview that game. 
we'll preview that game a bit more in uh, in part three of the show. And uh, in the second part, we're going to get stuck into listeners' questions. We're going to review the Portugal game uh, for, for what it's worth. And uh, we'll be doing that very, very shortly. But first, we're going to take this quick break. Right, you are listening to the Attacking Scrum Rugby World Cup special with our good friends at MSG Tours. Uh, right, Murph, on to some listeners' questions. We didn't have a huge amount this week, which either means that I sent out the tweet at a really inconvenient time or it means that people are so disengaged after that uh, that performance yesterday. <laughs> um, but let's uh, let's start with this one from Gary Mason, long-time listener to the show. The Wales actually have a game plan. Yesterday suggests they don't. Uh, but with Australia and Georgia to come, they'll need to understand what the hell they're doing. What do you think in terms of in terms of overall game plan? Is it in a decent nick and yesterday was because of all the changes or actually is there still a way to go? Well, we've seen this. We've been here before. Look, uh, the, the, the issue here is full strength side has to play Australia now. Mm-hmm. And also it has to play Georgia. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of the boys that were on the pitch yesterday, that might be their only World Cup match yep. for quite a lot of them. So... We know from um, previous years, especially in sort of the the fourth autumn international game, when uh, you have to rest a few and are ready for the you know, say if you're playing, I don't know, um, uh, Samoa yeah, or something, Earl, yeah, and, yeah, and you need to bring in the Serbs ready for the last game, which is might be South Africa or something. We know in those games that they always look like people who've never met each other. Mm-hmm. That's something like I, I think we've. Everyone agrees that Gatland is a good coach, but what he's never been able to do in Wales, at least, is get the second string to play uh, as well drilled as the first team do. Uh, someone like, say, I don't know, uh, Joe Smith in Ireland, you can you couldn't tell the difference when when the seconds were out. There was still the same well drilled uh, um, um, set piece and phase play. Everything was just the same as it was for the first team. Gatlin's never done that in, in while he's been with us. So I think as soon as they, they had to make all those changes and as soon as they made all those changes, it was always going to be a stuttering performance, especially if Portugal turn, turn out to be a million times better than they were in the 90s when we put 100 points on them. Um, and so that that's what's happened. And I, I, you know, a lot of people saying, oh, you know, we were pants and all that, but it just, it, it just doesn't matter because we, we've, We've been here before. The second string go out and they're, they're uh, clueless, and the, the the first choice boys come in, and they're the ones that kind of uh, do most of the training together in the Wales camp, and and we're back to normal. So um, I don't read too much into the fact we play poorly, um, because quite often you can have it. You can have a duff pool game, and so long as you gain momentum into the tournament, it, it doesn't matter. Let me take your mind back four years ago when we went into the tournament as well, we were actually ranked number one in the world going into the World Cup warm-up games. We just won a Grand Slam. The previous year, we had developed seemingly some strength in depth when we took a when we took a kind of um, a development side over to Argentina and beat them in back-to-back tests. So you know we were in a we're really good place in terms of squad depth. Now mm-hmm. this equivalent game four years ago was against Uruguay, and again you may remember we absolutely laboured to a win over Uruguay, and that mm-hmm. was not a Uruguay side as good as this. No, and I don't think it was a Uruguay side as good as Portugal as the Portugal side. So. I'm not too worried. It was not a good performance. It was disjointed. It was clunky. I think a few individuals had 
um, had duff games. And ultimately, you're right. It, the, the thing for me that was that was frustrating is it took until the very last play of the game to get a, uh, to get the, the bonus point because we needed that bonus point. And I think had we been a bit more direct and structured in the first 20 minutes of the game, things would have opened up and for some reason I think we tried to we tried to run a little bit and few frustrating things mm. that just yeah I, I don't know it, it often happens in these games but well, uh, thankfully of, we, we got the job done exactly a, a lot of people made the point yesterday that it's kind of um, human uh, nature or human behavior is when when a bloke who knows this probably is his only game gets a chance to play, he then goes a little bit blinkered. Yeah. I've got to do something. I've got to show, otherwise I'm not going to get another game unless, you know, unless there's an injury or whatever. But he, he, it's human nature for that person to go, well, I'm going to get the ball. I'm going to smash every twat on the pitch and I'm going to be the hero and then they'll have to pick me and go out of what they've kind of trained for or practiced to do, which is stay within their structure, stay within the team and or... or uh, the attitude of trying to make your mates look good rather than playing for yourself, that kind of thing. And um, I, I, I hope in, <laughs> I hope it's not entirely down to that in a professional side because you've got an actual job to do. They're paying you to do an actual mm. job. But um, I think some element of that comes into it where people are trying too hard because they, you know, they they want to advance themselves. Um, so yeah, it's. It's just we've been here before. We've been here many times before, and I would love it if our if our second string could um, be as well gelled as the first team. But I can't remember ever. I, I, there's been probably games where the, the second string side has played quite well, but never seen them look like a well-oiled machine. Never. Not, not like the, the only anyway. time. The only times I can remember is like I say that tour to Argentina where we didn't take any of the Lions who'd been mm. out the previous summer and. Ellis mm. Jenkins and Corey Hill were captains and you know, right, yeah, yeah, Cubby yeah. Boy and those and those guys played Hallam Amos and Josh Adams. They all played mm. really well and and developed. Yeah. But then yeah, and then there was a game against Tonga that following autumn where we had a proper a proper kind of let's have let's put all of the the second string in and we and we absolutely rinsed them. But again, it wasn't mm. it wasn't a, it wasn't a good Tonga side at all. No. So yeah, there, also, there were very isolated incidents of it. Yeah. Also, if you go to Argentina, but there's no first choice boys there, then the players who are there are effectively first choice. So they're doing everything. They're not yeah, holding pads true. at any stage. They're yeah. not, you know, they're not what they call, uh, they're not bin juice. They mm-hmm. like to say the professionals these days, they're just in the thick of it all the time. And that probably helps a massive amount. And it's, it's, a, it's you know, it's a real um, feather in the cap of a coach, I think, who can get his second string to play as well as his first choice, which they do in Ireland now. And mm. obviously it, that ties back to how well they're playing at their provinces and what have you. But um it's not it's not many it's not many countries who actually you know England second string, we saw them in the summer. You know, there's not many countries who actually pull it off. South Africa do it. But um yeah, i I, I Yesterday was it was if we won by if we won by loads of points well we should and if we didn't mm-hmm. well everyone's going to say we're crap but I, I just it was literally just get through it no injuries and obviously ideally get four tries but um, uh, now that um, Fiji Fiji have beaten Australia so long as we win our games everything is yep. a piece of piss. <laughs> well yeah I mean that that's it if you go back to the start of the tournament I think Gatlin said something similar yesterday if you'd have offered 
10 points from two games would you've taken it absolutely now oh yeah again yeah it was it was rusty it was really mm. frustrating at points yesterday the week before again you know you can pick faults in the fact that we let them back into the game but it's, this is a brilliant position to be in you know i wouldn't mm. i wouldn't you wouldn't trade it would you for going oh well like, we, oh shit no we, I, well i said three nil yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said uh, fiji i take 3-0 because they could easily win the group and they've proved they've proved that now that they they could easily won this group with a bit of luck and luck with injuries and luck with the ref they would have won this group but um yeah i mean two, two wins maximum points so you just it's not it's, we're not we're not frightening the rest of the tournament <laughs> but we're in exactly where we would want to be before we before we restarted the whole thing so um yeah you take that yeah and that actually we build upon this point with this question from robert evans which says should we be putting some perspective on these performances fiji currently well uh, yeah fiji beating australia and we made a lot of changes true to form we always struggle for cohesion again mm. just to go back to your point that win against fiji looks like much better form given that they they really they didn't look at any point like losing to australia today they looked they looked much the better side yeah, I mean, some of the youngsters that Eddie Jones has brought in, they don't look, they don't look, a, I, I think some of the old boys who've been left out would have done a better job on one leg, you know. Uh, this might have been a bad, I, I don't know their, their club form, this might have been a bad day at the office room, I don't know, but um, they, they gave the the winger and the outside half between them gave away the try to two a sober from the, yeah, from the box kick. And again, that's I mean, that's um, you don't get those with experienced back three or you know experienced tens playing no. in there. Do you know if that's if that's Bernard yeah. Foley in yeah. that position? Or yeah, you might Cooper, come up. Michael Cooper, Hooper, yeah, it might jump up and knock it on, but you don't have that moment where you both leave it and let it bounce. That's real yeah. schoolboy stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I I'm still. Obviously, because I'm Welsh, I'm still nervous about uh, us cocking it up at some stage. But um, we couldn't have asked for any more than we've um, had. So, I mean, again, last weekend was harsh on the Fijians. And also the fixture list was harsh on the Fijians because they've had the two hardest games back yeah. to back. They what they didn't have to do a six-day turnaround. It was, uh, at least they had uh, seven days. But um, now, now that, you know, that they've, they've got... Um, Fiji, Portugal to come, uh, or Georgia, Portugal to come. So they've got an easier run in, and we mm. they've only got to win their games and hope that something goes wrong for the other teams, like you know. But um, yeah, it's it's um, in an, in another in another world. They 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 were um, less harsh harshly done by last week by the ref, and they're sitting pretty, mm. you know, on top of the on top of this group, but. Um, uh, I, like I say, we so long as so long as we can keep it together. I, at least everyone everyone who plays against Australia is going to be f fresh. So um, yeah, just sit there nervously watching, like I do every time Wales play. And putting aside our um, taking our Welsh hats off for a minute, our sparkly pink cowboy uh, hats um, <laughs> for one minute. Again, in terms of what this means for the tournament, I, again, I think Fiji have been so entertaining. I know every you know all mm. the neutrals wanted us to lose last week. That's fine; doesn't mm. bother doesn't bother me. Uh, and I think I you know I'd have been in that same situation if Fiji are playing anyone else, mm. and they weren't in our group. I'd want them to win for for the tournament. I think it's really good for the, for this to go down to the wire now, or, or certainly you know for for next weekend there to be a, a huge amount a huge amount up for grabs and and having you know potential three way 
uh, you know, three three teams competing for two places, and one of them being Fiji that have played some really entertaining stuff and captured the neutrals. It's the kind of stuff you get at a football World Cup that you don't always get at a rugby World Cup because because it's such a physical game. The mm. the bigger sides tend to you know tend to come through the pool stages. So yeah, it it, it is a really good thing for the tournament. Yeah, there's no dead rubbers now in this pool uh, unless mm. unless we if we beat Australia. Next week, then there are dead rubbers because Australia are out, and isn't it? There's nothing that's going to change that. But um, yeah, it's it's going to it could well go down to our last game against Georgia, which is another reason why I'm nervous. Because <laughs> if we don't beat Australia, then we've got to we've got to probably get a, a bonus point out of Georgia to to yeah. be sure, you know. And um, that, that's the real that's you know that's the one that, and we might be there as well. <laughs> well, that's we? the one that yeah. really, yeah, that's the one that really worries me. If we have to get something tidy out of that game, I, I don't think they're playing as well as they were uh, twelve months ago. And I, and I, obviously, we're better than we were twelve months ago. But even so, you know, you don't, yeah, you don't want to be going. I mean, look, this, this obviously is this classic kind of Welsh pessimism. But I think going into that game against Australia, having the having it all to play for all in our own hands is absolutely massive. And I think, yes, that they will, I'm sure they will be better than they were this week, but at the same time, it can't be good. It can't be good for confidence. It piles the pressure on them. And as you've said, they're a very, you know, they're a very inexperienced side or they've left out a lot of, a lot of experienced players. So as a result that this, this will heat the, heat the, um, heat things up for, for Eddie and the boys. Yeah, I mean, they, they, we are used to them having amazing backs, but the only, the only one that stood out today was Carl Betty mm. in the back line. Uh, the forwards were functional, but nothing outstanding in the back row like they used to have amazing back row players. Um, so there's nothing to fear there, really. But you know, we know, we know, we we're we're Welsh fans of old, so we know it can all go wrong against anyone. But um, they're not they're not a patch, I don't think. On, on previous uh, World Cup sides that they've turned out, yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment. Doesn't yeah, doesn't mean we're going to win, but at the same time, it's <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's not um, it's not a it's not a ninety one ninety nine no. Australia vintage, is it? So, um, you know, it's not even twenty nineteen. <laughs> no, no, it isn't. I don't think um, it not, isn't. No. But, there were stars throughout that twenty nineteen side, yeah, which we beat. You know. Yeah. I don't. I mean, obviously, we were in a much stronger position. We hadn't spent, you know, two and a half years losing to Italy and Georgia, and mm-hmm. uh, getting, you know, labouring through every other game against fourteen yeah. men. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's let's uh, let's uh, let's lighten the mood slightly. Uh, this one was from Christian Phillips. What did you think of Lewis Rees Zamet's Cristiano Ronaldo celebration? Uh, well, you know, he's a huge Man United fan. Um, Is he? Yeah. You, I still haven't watched that what, documentary. What, yeah. No, I haven't either. But I I follow him on um, social media, and he's he's always at Old Trafford. He's not he's not a he's not an armchair Man United fan. He's there at games a lot, so um, it doesn't. Well, it does surprise me in a bit because I mean the last time any we had any crossover between soccer and football was probably Alfie uh, Gala Thomas doing the Ayatollah every time he's got a try. I've forgotten that. That's like eighteen years. You should try it. Did you retire in two thousand and seven as an international? Yeah, it was after the Fiji game, so sixteen yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a long time since you've had any of that kind of thing. But um, I think he look. He looks. Uh, Rhys um looks like he's keen to push he's himself sharp, forward. He? Yeah, I think he, he, look, he looks sharp, he looks sharp. Yeah. and also his attitude. Like he, he's got this 
he's pushing some kind of um, fan involvement thing. I can't remember what it's called now, but he's pushing that on social media where you right. invest in his stock. Or, I don't know. I don't know. No, it's not. It's not a Ponzi scheme. It's an it actual. Sounds very much like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> it, yeah. I, no, I, I phrased it wrong. Um, but he's keen to kind of um, raise his own profile and, and kind of uh, make people aware that you know he's he's. He's a really good winger, but he doesn't get many scoring passes because of who he plays for on the international level. <laughs> um, he has to do a lot of work for himself. So I think he's keen to, when he does score a, a decent try, and you know, and it was a very... Um, it was, yeah, it was a really good finish. Very re-Summit-esque uh, uh, finish. Uh, he wants to make sure everyone knows you know, <laughs> who he was. He's that, I think he's quite keen to um, promote himself. So... Um, which I'm all fine with. And, um, yeah. you know, he can do the Cristiano Ronaldo thing as much as he wants, as long as he's crossing the whitewash. That's mm. that's, that's fine by me. The thing that yeah. is annoying me is this stupid Reese Lightning nickname that all the commentators seem to mention. Mm. I'm like, this is bollocks. If there is you a cultural reference... You're going to start me off on ITV. <laughs> it, I, I will in a minute, actually, because I want to get <laughs> If we are making cultural references to the 70s and 80s, can we not call him Zabo, please? <laughs> oh yeah, I just got, I just got where Reese Lightning comes from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they just felt yeah they just felt put the soundtrack on in the background. Um, I, look, there was one game early on. I I can't remember, but it was a South Sea Island side playing against someone, and they're pronouncing their names wrong. Now that used to be a thing. I you know back way back then, everyone oh, yeah. used to get all the South Sea Islanders' names wrong. But the trouble is now is. These South Sea Islanders are the best players in the world. They're all over mm. France and England. They're playing in all the big leagues. They're massively overrepresented in professional rugby compared to how how small their nation is. There's only about a million of them, I think, on the whole planet. Yet seventeen percent, I think it is, of all professional rugby players are South Sea Islanders. And you can't turn up and get one of the best players in the fucking world name wrong if mm. it's your job to commentate on network TV. And and you know that brings us. Back to fucking giving the World Cup to ITV every four years, they do get they do get more of a share of rugby now with the Six Nations and all that. But they still not, they still don't seem to get rugby specialists on board. They, they get, I mean, don't get me wrong, they they hire all the most expensive people when the World Cup comes, but for the for the sort of comms and co-coms. They got people butchering names. Like you have got one job is to learn the fucking fifteen names on the or 23 uh, and get them right to you what it what it tells you is that co-coms or that comms guy doesn't even watch rugby because they're all famous players it's not you know okay there's a one or two in dotted around the fiji squad who i might not have heard of but because i can pronounce randrandra and i can pronounce to a silver mm. i can also work out how the other fucker's name is pronounced do you see what i mean these fuckers they don't watch rugby they might watch their local club or england play they don't watch global rugby, and therefore, on a global stage, they're getting paid fairly well, I imagine, and cocking it up in front of the whole world. And this is coming from a man who famously called, <laughs> called the Lions, uh, the Lions in Scotland uh, scrum half, Tommy Price for about Price, uh, for about yeah. two years. So, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, if you want yeah. those kind of mispronunciations, stick stick with us, um, and make sure you stick well, with if... us for the final part of the show, which is coming up very very shortly, where we are going to be previewing you, in detail. <laughs> where we are going to be previewing in detail the uh, the Wales Australia game next week, which I can't wait for slash I'm terrified about. So all that coming up after this quick break. <laughs>
final part of the show, Murph. Then you can have a rest. Another <laughs> sedate end to the. Uh, I don't mind getting weekend. the first name wrong. Shut up, Tommy. Tommy is fine. <laughs> His mates call him Tommy. We know that. Yeah, I wouldn't get Sammy wrong. How can you forget Sammy? Uh, you know. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. That's um. Yeah. Or Josua. You can't forget Josua. He's uh yeah he's he's an amazing player, isn't he? It, mm. Like too. So like I mean, obviously Randrandra is incredible as well, but. There is there is something truly magnificent about Tua Saver. I'm um, number eight has been amazing. I can't remember his name. Bill, Bill, Bill Matter. Bill Matter has been yeah. unreal as well. Yeah, um, I mean, it's... man, you know the whole the whole team's been outstanding, and um, uh, I feel like I should pat myself on the back for calling it. <laughs> well, actually, I was going to say I don't know if you listened to the last week's show that we did with did. Uh, Yestin. Uh, yeah, with Yestin, and we had. We had a reviewer who'd mentioned uh, fancy the Mur- fancy Murph writing off um, writing off the All Blacks after one uh, after one d- uh, dud performance and no, I wrote Murphy for the dud performance. Did you? No, the dud performance against um, against South Africa. It was. Oh, I saw. I saw me. Yeah, yeah. I, I went with you. Yeah. Well, it wasn't on the back. Of, well, like, it wasn't on the back of one dud performance. It was all the losses they've had in the last eighteen months. Yeah, that, that's what I wrote. Man, like I said, um, previous All Black sides have come into World Cups and they haven't lost a game a single game in sometimes two years and they would rightly be you know six to four year in money I think but these fuckers they're not they're not that they are not that they're you know I really rate Papa Lee and Adi Surveyor and all that but there's no fucking world stars in our team untouchable McCaws Dan Carter's man and there's none of that in our side anymore so they should not be look the general public might have put them there with their money but the general public don't know what the fuck they're on about and that's why I said New Zealand should not be favourite, and um, that's their first, the first pool game they've ever lost in history of the of the World mm. Cup. And um, what I would say to counter this is, New Zealand have pretty much, got, with the exception of this one, have always gone into the Rugby World Cup favourites, right? Mm. Some most of the time, rightly, you look back to all of them, and they've generally. But the gulf between them and everyone else has always been huge. Whereas yeah. now we're in a position where the rest of the world has got better. And have has closed that gap significantly. Mm. And, and you're right. It, it the normal hemisphere in particular is closed down on the southern. Yeah. And yeah. you know, you look at Ireland winning Test series over there, and uh, and things like that. That they are things that were unimaginable even ten years ago. Mm. You know, even ten years ago, Ireland had never beaten them, and yeah. and now they they're they're abs- You know, New Zealand are Ireland's bunnies, really. So it's yeah. um, it you know, I, I think that 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 kind of does perhaps make it a bit more difficult to judge this side. But what I do agree with you on is you're right. You know, you look back to all of those sides that were favourites and you had all-time rugby greats mm. littered throughout the star, uh, throughout the side. McCaw, Conrad mm. Smith, um, mm. you know, going back further than that, Lomu and uh, Lomu yeah. and Mertens and and you know, Zinzan Brook and all these kind of players. Mm. They 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 will go down as all-time greats. At this side, you're right, there's lots of players. I and I actually agree. I think Papali's one of them that I, I really, really like playing. Ardi mm. Surveyor again, but they're not quite at that level yet where they've achieved no. enough to go and down as all-time rugby mm, greats. I think some of the players who are double World Cup winners are now well into their 30s. Mm. So Aaron Smith, Sam Whitelock, I don't know how old um, a word for Metallic a word is. for Smith though. A word for Smith. Uh, I thought he comfortably outplayed Dupont on opening night. I thought he was superb. I thought he nullified Dupont and looked and looked the classier of the two nines, which probably means Dupont has got an absolute barnstormer of a performance waiting in the, <laughs> in the quarters or the semis. Yeah, yeah, and, and but during during that period where he kind of was um, marshalling 
the D word very well. Jalabert seemed to have all the time in the world, so that yeah, could true. have been that could have been down to Dupont's taking a lot of pressure off and giving him great service. And um, he did he did Jalabert did play actually a lot like Entomac would have played if he was fit. So um, and could have been, I don't know who they called man of the match, but it, it, he was up there. And and if you bring in Dante back alongside him, mm. you know, uh, uh, look based on two games so far. South Africa look fucking really good. <laughs> I mean, they look, they look. I would a go as far as say they look unbeatable. Yeah, I think unbeatable, the, yeah. at the moment it's. Yeah. But I mean, again, this this is where stuff gets really interesting when they play Ireland mm. because next Saturday, yeah, Ireland yeah. are uh, you know, it's it's such a bit. I think it's a huge game for Ireland. I really do. If they win, mm. I think it will do so much for their confidence to say mm. you know we've beaten the side who've been playing the best rugby in in recent months. Yeah. To be able to do that, I think would do a massive amount in terms of settling the settling the nerves and, and that belief that they are mm. the number one side in the world and can bring this thing home. Mm. The the flip side of that is if you lose to South Africa, you've then got Scotland for a nervy for a nervy game. I know they've got a brilliant record against Scotland, but Scotland will have a point to prove, and it makes for a really nervous a really nervous last game. And that's the one thing that Ireland have not managed in in World Cups. The the big games they have. They have invariably fluffed their lines, and yeah, you know, good side featuring again to go back to the New Zealand point, rugby greats, the the O'Connells and O'Driscolls and, mm. and and Sextons and players like that have not been able to to get them through those big games. This is a better island side than all those others by a mile, and I think oh, yeah, Owen, yeah. I, I think Owen, I think Andy Farrell. Talking to getting names wrong, I think Andy Farrell will. Um, mm. He's I think he's quite a calming presence in terms of the, the self belief he gives them, but. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a monster game next weekend. Absolutely huge. Yeah, I think it's prime time Saturday afternoon, is it? Unless I'm mistaken. Should we have a memory? Look? Yeah, and I can't wait. I mean, I can't. I literally cannot wait for that game. And then Sunday night is us, obviously. We're on at eight, aren't we? I yeah. believe eight on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, let me uh, let me I'm still getting. I'm still time. getting lots of photos from all my friends who are in the south of France. By the way, fucking pricks. <laughs> Selfish it is. It's good that you can, yeah. It's good that you feel that way. Yeah, it's, it's eight PM, South Africa Island. Um, oh right, okay, so, Saturday yeah. night, right? Other than the afternoon, yeah. which will be an absolute belter. Um, mm. So yeah, lots to like about that. Um, and as I say, yeah, we're playing at, at eight PM to bring us back to to the Wales game. Wales against Australia. You know, I think we know what side he's going to pick if everyone's available. Do we? Yeah. Well, uh, there might be some tinkering on the bench now after. The yellow card from um, Domachowski last week. I think he's going to suffer. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think uh, in so. selection. Um, but broadly speaking, you know the wingers stay the same, and mm-hmm. and you wouldn't you wouldn't change. There's not there's no one who played yesterday, apart from say Falatau, who's done himself much in the way of favours. I don't think. No, you're right. Um, I suppose the only and, thing is, is you'd imagine Lake comes into the twenty three somewhere, doesn't he? Um, yeah. You you two. I thought you called the. Decide really close to what they actually was. Uh, yeah, first time for everything, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yourself and Yestin. Uh, I think one of you said that Palatel needs the minutes, and uh, yeah. you know. So um, uh, actually, and then of course, I, think only... I think that's a really big bonus coming out of that game. Is yeah. is Toby is one of the few to have you know yeah. it wasn't just the try. There was that brilliant um, tracking tackle. Oh my the, god! Um, yeah, you know, yeah. it showed signs of he's 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 getting back. You know, he he was just rusty in that first game and. Mm. You know, whatever Australia side you you want to get past, you need Toby to be. You need Toby to be Toby. Um, yeah, 
And yeah, he, he is that crucial for us. And mm-hmm. another one, though, just to, to quickly touch on this one, because we said a very similar thing about Gareth Anscombe and said he kind of needed the time. He's played very little rugby in the last few, four years. Um, and yeah, again, Gary Mason had suggested this. After that performance, is Anscombe confirmed as the number three fly half? What do you think about the pecking order of tens? Um, I... I'm inclined to agree a little bit about Anscombe, but then I, I haven't seen much from uh, uh, Costello oh, either. Yes. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen much that's you know impressed me, and in a huge high pressure game, which next week will be, if you ended up with uh, either of those on the pitch with an important kick to win, I would want it to be Anscombe. Um, he wasn't like I said, no one was great yesterday, but. Um, He's got much more experience, and I, I thought Costello when he came on against Fiji looked a little bit out, everything out muscled, out gunned, defensively speaking, obviously. Um, and it just looked like the Fijians could just throw him around if they if they had the opportunity. Not that not that Anscombe's a big guy, but um, I think it's yeah, the experience yeah. thing for me. That was, yeah, I think I. I would be trying to get 78 minutes out of Dan Bigger next uh, next weekend. You know, yeah. I know he had back spasms, didn't he? I think in the, the mm. Fiji game. So you kind of got as much as you could, but I think... He'd be having he, intense treatment on that anyway, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I think he'd be, he'd be fit. It's just, I think you want him, I want him on the pitch as close to the end as possible. Mm. And, you know, I think Gatlin probably thought the game was won when he brought on uh, Costello. And I think that... Mm that experience and that game management stuff, that is just where Anscombe edges it. Although I d- actually, I thought he was really poor yesterday, Gareth Anscombe. He looked, just looked really rusty. He's still yeah. a class player. Hopefully will improve for the run, uh, to mm. bring us back to horse racing terminology. Am I correct in thinking uh, uh, Bigger came off exactly on 65 minutes and that's exactly when it all went? Yeah, I think I, that's certainly yeah. that's certainly how it played out in my head. The, ne- the next thing after he came off was we, we couldn't play anymore. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he is. I mean, he is important to Wales. Uh, he would be. I mean, apart from being good, you know, the the experience and the, the amount of caps he's got and all that, um, and the relative uh, drop off between him and Costello, and also the the lack of game time for Anscombe probably means this. He make he's almost as important as Will Rowlands to um, to the side at the moment. But yeah, um, yeah you're right. I I. I I would. I wouldn't bring it. Like, you went. They went eighteen points in front. Bring bring the outside half off. I probably, if we went eighteen points off up against Australia, I'd probably leave him on next week just yeah, to make sure. That's exactly a, what I'm saying. Make sure yeah. there's a thinker on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, mean, I don't think. I don't think it's just any outside half. I think it's just big high pressure scenarios. Mm. He has proven time and time again that he he absolutely thrives in them. Yeah, and yeah. That you know, I want him on the 2015. pitch. Twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen again. Yeah. Numerous times in in nineteen. And he's just yeah, he's such a calming influence. Well, I say calming influence when he's not bollocking his own back line. Um, but, I was but totally again, on his side, by the way. Well, I wasn't on it's last setting, week. It's setting standards, I think. Yeah, I was totally on his side. We're not a, we're not a bright we're not a rugby intelligent side. We're not a bright side. Like it, in that situation where he ended up bollocking George North, you either have to give it to. Lutri he's got Zammet. to get into Zamet's hands yeah. straight and then, away. Yeah, and if you. If you're not going to do that, you just will twat it because it, it is no, there was nothing to gain by going into contact 10, yeah. five, 10 yards from your line. So I could see why they were going wide, but he stopped going wide. And, that, that, and that's where I would have 
that's what I would have done a bigger and said, uh, he said, fuck me a lot, didn't he? Fuck me. Yeah, did, fuck yeah. me. <laughs> as he was walking off. Um, yeah. So I, you know, the, we, you covered it last week. I don't want to go over it again, but he's like the player that other fans from other nations love to hate. Mm. But uh, I, I, I was totally on his team, and most most of the time when he's had his outbursts, I I think always thought they were justified. Very early on in his Osprey's career, when he was uh, a precocious talent, yeah. should we say, he used to blow his top a lot. But he, he got over that by the time he's in his mid twenties, I think. And um, yeah, yeah, usually, I, if you see him with his arms out, you know what he does. I think he puts his arms yeah. out. It's because the ref is shit. I mean, yeah. everyone everyone else knows he's shit as well. And you know that that's that's. Uh, uh, to me, it's a very human reaction when the ref is screwing you over. So, um, yeah, I've never, I've never been one to um, uh, think he's over the top with his with his reactions at all. Yeah, I, I think you know. Again, if it was the time, it looked a bit odd to me. It was during the Six Nations when he was dishing it out to Rio Dyer, who's perhaps an inexperienced. Oh, mind you, even then, I think it's just like mm. I can't. I, from everything you hear about what he's like as a bloke off the field. Mm. I think in the heat of battle, you know that he demands the best standards from around mm. him. Yeah. And so I can't imagine afterwards why, there would be any bad blood between him and George no. North after that. Why game. isn't why isn't everyone on the pitch like that then? Yeah. You know, why isn't everyone insisting on standards amongst themselves? That's what teammates do. You don't accept sloppiness. You know, bloody Sunday morning football you do. You just go laugh at each other, if anything. Mm. But this is the highest part of the sport. So, you know, it, it, I suppose the comparison is um, Roy Keane or someone like that. He's like, yeah, yeah, just that's right. Bo- you'd never... bollock, like bollock world famous players for not doing their job properly. You'd never turn around and say, oh, well, Roy Keane, he just went a bit too far in demanding those standards. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're right, actually. Yeah, it's a good, yeah, a good way to put it. You're trying to play a perfect match. That's the idea. When you go out uh, for your country or, inter- or at the highest level professionally, you're trying to be word perfect, otherwise, because I tell you why the other sides are really good. <laughs> so you have to be your fucking best, and nothing that involves thinking clearly and doing things that you've planned to do, you know, within context of the game before you went out there. So, yeah, a player going around bollocking his own team, they should all they should all be on each other's backs for for uh, excellence at all mm. times. For, for, it felt like it slipped into a bit of partridge then, but um, you know that, that's what that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to drive your team on. So I don't, I don't. I think it's a, a lot of the reaction was you know the part-time viewers who turn up for the big tournaments. Mm. Yeah, they think that, that that those types are used to watching schools rugby. You know that type. So um, yeah, fuck it. I, I'm 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 with bigger. Yeah. Sold. I'm with you as well. A couple of things I picked up on today, Murph. Uh, watching the watching the Australia Fiji game as mm. potential areas to to target, or you know, again, hopefully a few areas of weakness based on today's performance. They look very susceptible at the driving line out. Australia mm. Fiji got some good rumbles on. I know they've improved massively in that in that stakes, but I thought that was an area that we went well last week against Fiji. Our driving yeah. line out looked good. If we, we did, if we hit our uh, you know, if, if if the darts are good, it, um, then we look to get a good rumble on. So I think that's hopefully an area where we can we can look at. This has been a, an Australia side that's also been kind of heralded for for having a good scrum and obviously un- unearthing Angus Bell. Didn't look up to much today, I didn't think. And again, especially, our, our went well against Fiji. Yeah, especially the second choice front row. You know, the finishing, mm. the Eddie's finishers came off the bench and they were under real pressure. And I thought the referee was 
being quite patient with them because they were wheeling one way or the other and chasing around. He did penalise one time for chasing around, but there was another time when they wheeled around and he did nothing to him. So uh, and that's that only happens because one side can't take can't take the pressure. Yeah, and if you're getting done by Masaki Donge, you know, he, <laughs> you know, put in, yeah. put in plenty of good. You know, I, I thought he put in a few, a few decent shifts for the Dragons, but mm. you know, he's not. Um, he's no, not renowned for being a destructive scrummager. Yeah, so, good point. Yeah, um, I didn't realize yeah. he was. I didn't realize there was him at the end. Yeah, yeah, he's wow. coming on replacement tight end. So, um, so yeah, that's that, that's interesting. So I'm hoping that's an area. I, I think again, that's where you really miss Skelton. That's where yeah. you really miss him because he is like yeah. a, it's like having a house behind you. Yeah. Um, so again, I, I think that might, that may change things in that stakes. But mm. for me, I don't know if you agree. We mentioned this last week. Um, when it comes to our replacement bench, I think we've got to have a, our strongest scrummages down there. So for me, it's Nicky Smith. And if he's fit, Henry Thomas coming off the bench. Well, you could argue um, Ryan Elias is one of the heaviest scrummages in the squad. Um, He'll be, so, Elias will be either starting or um, yeah. starting or replacement. I can yeah. see him starting, if I'm honest. I can see him starting because Dewey's... Um, uh, throwing in was all, uh, not on it. Uh, the darts were a bit worrying yesterday, I yeah. thought, because they kind of went... It was going fine for a while, and then when the mm. pressure ones hit, which t- you tend to think that's where the that's where you can see an error coming from the thrower rather than the lifters is when yeah. that you know the, those little bit of nerves sneak in. So I think that was that was a bit of a worry, and so yeah, I could definitely see Elias starting. Mm. I mean, his carrying is excellent. Soon, as soon as I think he will get. Um, uh, it's the standard of his thrown in will get there eventually. And when he does, I think he's up there with the best hookers around um, mm. because he's such a, it, it, it's his second effort is, is what stands out. He gets held and then makes another three st- strides after that. That's how he ended up scoring that try yesterday. Oh, I, so, absolutely, um, I absolutely love him. I think he's just, yeah. he's so big and yeah, he's just like he looks like he's made of he's made of granite. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I, I love it. And you're right; it's, it's that area of the game that's there's always been the question mark. But um, yeah, I think I, I think there's more to come. And yeah, he's he's co-captain. He's going to be in that. He's going to be in that match day twenty three somewhere. But I could definitely see it being with with sixteen on his back. Yeah, it's difficult to argue. I, I, um, like um, Elliot D was good. I thought off the bench yeah. in the first game, but um, it's just it's just not the same. He's not the same threat with ball in hand that um, Derry is, so there's not much and you can other, do yeah, about the, that. The other two, are, the other two are units when it comes to when it comes to scrummaging, aren't they? So I think you, I think you, you have to go with that for uh, particularly for this game. Yeah, agreed. Fair enough. Um, should we end on a prediction? Dare we? Oh yeah, I, I'll, I'll predict. I'll just be very nervous about it. So I'm not. I'm not. Uh, um, you know, like when I when I had a good old rant about New Zealand being average. Uh, I, I was convinced I knew something, you know, that the world didn't. <laughs> but uh, I, I think we, I think we'll beat um, Australia. But I, I just purely on the form, like, you know, we 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 were 18 points in front against Fiji, imploded a little bit at the end. But there was no, there was no possibility of Australia ending up many points in front of Fiji with with a uh, 15, 20 minutes to go. So we've played. Better, although, like I say, although we employed, we play better than anything Australia could achieve in in today's game. So we have to go into it with that mindset, I think. And I think um, 
the, the form line suggests we should win without having to uh, give the country um, bad nerves, if that makes any sense. I'm not, mm-hmm. going, I'm not saying we're going to stuff them, but it, we should we should win that game. You're looking for yeah. a score, are you? Yeah. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be an exact score, but, you know, winning margin. Uh, 10 points. 10 points. Oh, wow. Mm. God. Yeah. I don't know. Score I, four tries, though. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be more nervous than that. Um, I'm yeah. going to go. I'm going to go Wales by four, and I'm hoping, given you know the the predictions disaster that was my Six Nations, <laughs> that was my as I've said before, that was my Liz Truss uh, moment. <laughs> of, uh, um, yeah, less people suffered on the back of it, but well, that is true. Um, but then, <laughs> uh, but then this time round, yeah, I, I think I predicted something close. If not on here, on one of the other podcasts I was on recently, I I predicted. I think. Hold on, other um, podcasts. What? Yeah. Well, mate, that's what you do. That's what you do. You go on to promote, don't you? You know, I'm doing the rounds. Yeah. Are you? Doing the rounds. You haven't haven't shared any links with me. Sorry, I'll I'll, I'll do it after the. I'll do it after the. I'm gonna listen. Yeah, I'll slag you off on there. (laughs) Yeah. Like when it's like when um when Bernard Butler did that interview where he slagged off Brett Anderson. In the uh, in the nineties, he oh, went in. He went and did an interview like Uncut magazine or something, and slagged them off, and then swayed uh, blew up, blew up um, <laughs> yeah. afterwards. Um, it's not like that at all. Uh, what I was going to what I was going to say is I predicted a narrow Welsh win, so I'm going to do the same again. I'm going to go Wales by four for this one, and uh, and I would take that. Like as you, as you said, I would take three 0 It's just about get. It's just about getting yeah. a win and getting yeah. getting through this. I take six five. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, absolutely fine with that. Actually, we have got a couple more things to finish on. Um, okay. Each week throughout the Rugby World Cup, we are picking a moment of the week in association with our good friends at So Coffee Trades. So Murph, I would like to hand this one over to you. Um, any Anything on the, the short list or the long list for uh, for moment of the week for you? Uh, I wish you bloody warned me. I, I, there's probably loads for now I'm drawing a blank, so I probably have to say... Again, the professional in you, Murph, should have gone. Should have gone. Well, actually, there's loads. There's lots of brilliant things. But I'm going to go for this one for this reason. Yeah. So uh, we've both managed to throw each other under respective buses. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, <laughs> the um, hmm. I suppose the way. Well, but after a moment, I know. But the way Portugal mm. played generally has pleased everyone across across the sport uh, across the. Um, the view in public, you know, everyone was basically cheering for Portugal on Twitter uh, just because of the uh, way they were playing. They were high risk, obviously, but you know, where's the point in for a small country and going out meekly and just playing it yeah. safe? So um, the way they played was a high point for me. But if I had to pick a particular instance, it would be the um, classic LRZ finish where he just kicks it past you and turns on the uh, turns on the afterburners, and that's the end of that. All right, you go. Yeah, you uh, decent choice there, and uh, I'm hoping we'll see a few more of them. Two tries in mm. two games for uh, for Zamo. So um, mm. I'm hoping that there's there's more of that to come. Um, and actually, we've got a couple more reviews to finish on as well. So um, thank you again for uh, for those people who've sent in reviews. This one uh, is from Amistar Forty Six. A breath of fresh air in the sea of Anglo-centric rugby podcasts. Calm, <laughs> insightful analysis from an unashamedly Welsh perspective. It's become my favourite post-match destination. Thanks, boys. Well, thank you for that review. Calm um, is not something I normally get associated with when it comes to rugby. Uh, must must be talking about the weeks when uh, when Killick and Yestin are on. I think. <laughs> it must be. Uh, it fucking must be. <laughs> um, yeah. 
and this one from uh, from Long Dog seventy eight. Uh, as a long time listener to the podcast, I know you've uh, you've given some review before as well, which is great. Just wanted to thank and well done, boys, and all the contributors. Without doubt, the best rugby podcast, and I listen to a lot. So yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for that. Um, yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah. If you if you fancy doing the same, uh, as I always say, leave us a five star review. Not I don't want anything to shatter my fragile ego. So uh, long dog is my dog. Long dog is my dog. There we go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you, uh, Murph. Thank you to everyone for listening. And um, I don't know whether we'll get a bonus one out before the Australia game, but make sure you subscribe just in case. Um, and uh, yeah, go back and have a listen to some of the ones we've done recently. So uh, yeah, big thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back to chat rugby with you very very soon. Podcast Network.